Welcome back to Inspire Our Nation with me, Caroline Morgan. This is a podcast where we catch up with inspirational people from across the globe. Today I have with me Chance Howard. He is a producer, a songwriter. He's travelled the world with Prince, Candy Dolfer and many, many more. Welcome, Chance Howard. Okay, so Chance Howard, welcome. Um, How are you and where are you? I am, I'm fine, actually. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, that is. And, and uh, I'm currently in a rehab center, rehabilitation uh, facility here in Woodbury, Minnesota. You have been there for nearly a couple of years now. I know you were unfortunately part of a, a tragic car accident, which has left you unable to walk. Um, what's that last couple of years been like for you? It's had its ups and downs, that's for sure. And it has not been easy, you know. Just mainly trying to stay focused. And my main goal is to walk out of here. I didn't walk in here, but my mantra has basically been, I didn't walk in here, but I'll be damned if I don't walk out. That's a great way to look at it. And of course, that's, you know, a way to kind of keep motivated, keep the vision and also you know you are a great performer and musician and you have a a massive kind of backlog of of music and you've been toured with incredible people but tell me what your first memories of music oh man well when I was three years old my mom gave me a ukulele one day you know she just gave me this ukulele and I went upstairs and uh I came up with a little song and I came downstairs and asked her if I could play my song. You know, I'm like, can I play my song, mommy? And she said, yeah. And uh, I sat there in the middle of the kitchen floor and I played the song for her. And all it was was three little notes, just down, 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 down. And she, she looked at me with the biggest smile and was just like, oh my goodness, my baby, you know, oh, you sound so good. and. She's like, well, go down and, and let your brother hear. And my brother, he didn't want anything to do with, you know, with his little baby brother. He's he's an older guy. So everything was just like, mom, he's bothering me or, you know, that kind of thing. So I went downstairs and I like snuck down there behind him and kind of came up behind him. And I tugged lightly on his pants leg and said, can I play my song? And he was just like, Ma, he's bothering me. You know, and she said, boy, let him play the song. What's the matter with you? And then his friends were like, yeah, man, let him play the song, man. So he picked me up and stood me up on this chair. And he said, all right, man. He said, go on and play your song. And I started playing my song. And the drummer got in on it. And then the bass player got in on it. And then my brother got in on it. And I'm no longer even playing the song now. I'm just staring at them. Like I'm actually playing the song with these guys. And right there, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Like right three years old, I knew I wanted to be a musician. And what instrument was you playing? My first main instrument was bass. And I only wound up being a bass player because my uncle Gene gave me a guitar, uh, an acoustic guitar when I was about five years old and it only had two strings on it. 
<laughs> you know, so I didn't get a chance to like learn chords or anything because I didn't have enough strings. So I just became a bass player. Did you have any sort of formal training or was your musicianship learned by ear? Everything that I know to this day has been by ear. I trained my ear from an early age, just running home after school, turning on the TV, grabbing my bass and sitting down and watching all my favorite cartoons and different, you know, series, Batman, Superman, all the Looney Tunes and stuff and, and learning how to play those songs, all the TV shows that would come on at night before I went to bed. I learned all those shows. So I have this memory of all this music. It, in a way, it's kind of like an overload of like music. Some of it's, I would say it's not useless information, but it kind of, you know, that's what I kind of feel like sometimes. Like it's just, it's just a gang of music in my head, you know, but it works. It works, yeah. And with all that music, you know, it's got to go somewhere. And, and you know, you obviously you've made your own music, you produced your own music, you've wrote your own music, and you play the keyboard now. I mean, you're kind of staying in that era where you was. I mean, what was your first band? My first band um, was a band that I put together in high school, and we were called Quay. Q-U-A with a hyphen. And I have no idea what the word meant, but uh, the drummer in my band, his name was Brian Edwards. He came up with the name and he said something about it. It means it's a word that means whatever you want it to mean. We just stuck with that. And, you know, I went from there to my brother's band. Uh, he had a band called the Fresh Band. This was an older, you know, older group of guys. I was I was just a teenager. I'm still in <laughs> high school playing in you know I'm playing in bars and everything and and yeah that was that was real cool that was real cool so back then it was uh, what would you say it was the 80s or something was it the 80s yeah yeah, yeah that so was the 80s what was the music scene like back then back then I mean you had Prince you had the time you had just so many so many different groups Michael Jackson uh the Jackson Five you know, I mean just so much music to choose from being a band and and you know i mean and we played all the popular music anyway so it was a great scene and who was your inspiration around that time then my inspiration at that time i would say was jimmy jam and terry lewis because i was i was putting my band together my brother's band it was his band but i was basically i started in the band as a bass player and then I wound up being bass player and lead singer in the band. And I usually put all of the music together. So I was a musical director in the band too. And then that led to like songwriting and all of that. And then producing these songs, then I just, I, I fell in love with Jimmy and Terry's style of music and everything. And in the Prince, the whole Minneapolis scene, I, I just fell in love with it. So. Yeah, Jimmy and Terry were the ones. Chance, you know, obviously you've you've had so much success since the 80s and you've toured with lots of different artists. And um, mm -hmm. you, you, you toured with the New Power Generation uh, and Prince. What was it like yeah. to go on tour with Prince? Going on tour with Prince was actually, it was like a, it was a dream come true. You know, I mean, he, I mean, he of course was a, 
was a major influence in my life. The music that I loved when I was coming up, he had basically created. He had all these different groups. He had Vanity Six, he had The Time, uh, Maserati, he had Sheila E, and you know, just countless people that were under his writing skills and, and his production and, and everything. And I just fell in love with his style. And it was, but it was great actually coming here and, and getting a chance to work with him professionally it was it was awesome how does somebody then get to work with prince i mean i'm sure there's obviously a kind of you know audition phase what was it like the day when you had to audition for prince it wasn't much of an audition as it was a jam session he had seen me play a lot of years before i started playing with him we knew each other like 30 years and I started hanging out with him like in 90, 91. But I, I started playing with the time first. And then he, you know, so he knew what I did as far as what I was on stage with the time for. He had never seen me do my own thing. So he started coming down to this club that I played at. I had another band called Conversation Piece. And we played every Wednesday at this club. And my drummer used to be Prince's drummer. And we basically like made our minds up that we weren't even gonna tell him about this band until we were tight. So we went like a whole year and didn't tell him anything. And then like that year was up and we let him know. And he came down and he fell in love with the band, but he got a chance to see me in my own element. From there, it just went to him. He didn't want to take me away from the time. He wanted to let me know that he wanted me in his band, but he didn't want to like just call me up and say, yeah, you want to be in my band? Because the time were incredible, weren't they? They were an awesome band yeah. to be part of. Yeah, yeah, they were, they were incredible. But he, you know, and he wanted me so bad, but he didn't want to let on to everybody that he did. So he kind of like put the word out. And I heard through the grapevine that, he wanted me in his band. And uh, well, actually the way that it happened was he came down on a Wednesday night and he jammed with us and his guitar tech, his name is Takumi. And Takumi, I had already heard that he wanted me in his band. And Takumi said, yeah, man, he does. He said, but he won't ask. He wants you to like make up your own mind. Mm -hmm. You know, I said, okay. I said, that's easy enough. I said, well, my mind is made up, bro. I said, I need to, we need to figure this out. He said, well, then look, man, why don't you just come by tomorrow and I'll soup up your bass, you know, tune it up and put some new strings on it. And we'll just act like that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the reason why you came. So if he ever asked, that's why you came. So I did that. And actually the bass that I brought up there Prince had given it to me. He gave me that bass. So I brought it up there to, to get it souped up. And he just popped up behind me. Prince was like, uh, there's, a, there's a cartoon character on this cartoon called the Flintstones. There was a character on there. He was a Martian. And his name was Kazoo. And Kazoo would just pop up whenever they were just talking about something or whatever. Or they would just say, hey, kazoo. And he would just <laughs> pop up 
and that was Prince. It's like you didn't even you didn't have to call him. You just had to talk about him. Wow. And then next thing you know, he was just like, it's I mean, it's almost like he would appear out of nowhere. I swear <laughs> to God, that's what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people that played with him and, and everything and that had been around him, they know what I'm talking about. He would just like pop out of nowhere like it was magic or something. And he just came out one day. I said to him, I said, man, I want to play in your band, man. I, I didn't say it that way. I was kind of like, I said, yeah, bro, when you when you're going to put me on, man, I want to play. And uh, he said, you ain't ready. I said, uh, what, what you talking about, bro? You ain't ready for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I said, I'll eat the, I'll, I'll eat the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for breakfast. And then he said, uh, you ain't ready for Ellen DeGeneres. I said, I'll eat it for lunch. You know, <laughs> he said, you ain't ready for the Grammys. I said, that, oh, that sounds good for dinner. You know, <laughs> and then he just told me to come in. He asked me if I had my instruments. And then he asked me, to just just come in and jam. And I went in the car, got my stuff, and came back and we jammed. And the rest is history. I mean, he just asked me if I wanted to do it. I was like, yeah. So was you part of the new power generation from the beginning? Was you, did he form it with you? No, I didn't go out with Prince until 2004. That was the year of the tour. But we had like, we did a lot of hanging out and jamming and stuff like that all those previous years and he would come and jam with the time and you know and he would like call me up at like four in the morning or two in the morning and ask me to come out and jam that kind of thing and we would just jam to like nine or ten in terms of rehearsals were they as long as legends has it because lots of people yeah. say back in the day like james brown and stuff like that you were late you know you got dr pay and all that kind of stuff did he have that work ethic yeah he definitely had that work ethic we would have like at least 12 to 14 hour days but like the average day would be like an eight hour day of rehearsal but if he was really need to run these songs and get them tight if he didn't feel like things were tight like you wanted it to be then yeah you're looking at sometimes a 12 to 14 hour day he seemed like a very mysterious man did you feel like when you was in his presence it was quite as an aura no prince was a down-to-earth guy Mm. he was just a really private person so if you didn't know him then of course he would seem mysterious and he was approachable but he was still guarded because of his fame the level of fame that you have that level of fame not anybody can just come up and just stand there and just speak to Prince because who knows? I mean, you might come up there and just be like crazy fanatic and, oh my God, it's really Oh yeah. And there is a lot of yeah. fans and people out there like that, you know, unpredictable. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. We were on tour in Bakersfield, California one time and I got on the elevator going to my room and these two girls were in the elevator talking about going to the Prince show. And I was just being facetious with them. I was just, I was like, Prince, oh, really? They were like, yeah, we're going to the Prince show. You're not going? I was like, nah, nah, I'm not. I don't even pay any attention to that little dude, you know? (laughs) So then we got to the show and we're doing the concert. After the concert, I came down, I was signing some autographs and then I heard, Chance, Chance. And I looked up and it was the two girls from the hotel. 
they had seen my, you know, seen me and they, so they knew my name. So we got back to the hotel and like on our way, Prince had told us that we were going out to a movie that night. So everybody came downstairs to the lobby and the two girls were down in the, in the lobby. So they came running over and we're talking and they're excited to see me, but they're like, they're real cool, real laid back. And then right. Prince comes out of the elevator. He doesn't even like wait for anybody. He's just like, he comes out of the elevator and he's walking down to the door, to the exit. And one of the girls sees him and she just, you know, we're standing there talking and all of a sudden she's like, ah, Prince! And took off running and <laughs> grabbed him by his sweater and was like trying to pull him back to her. And the, the security guard had to like, his name was Scotty. I'm putting him on blast. He took her and pulled him. I mean, he literally, it, felt, it looked like he just rolled her up into a bowling ball and rolled her down the hall. It was so funny. Looking at her slide down the hallway and Prince just took off with a little jog and ran out the door. It's no. frightening though, isn't it? You get, I mean, I guess you get that level of success, that level of fame. You, you expect to get a level of fans following you and, and chasing you and stalking you and all that kind of yeah. stuff. It's frightening. I couldn't imagine being in that, that environment. But yeah, being a private person, I think he was definitely that for sure. I mean, I only saw him a couple of times um, in England and he was amazing. Absolutely just amazing. Yes. Um, so we had a, a fabulous time. But again, you know, we met in Minneapolis, me, you, myself, you and my sister, Paula, we had a great time when we came over there and the studio and that that was fantastic. But I guess you've had your own successes as well through your own music. I mean, one of the things yeah. I just wanted to know was about um, which song of Prince's did you like to perform? There was so many. It's really hard to even say which song I liked the most. He had tons of songs and I loved them all. Who would you like to play with or club with in the future? Well, the two people that I would really like to maybe do some work with would actually be on the jazz side, but still funky side, would be Marcus Miller. I actually wrote a song for Marcus and uh, was teaching him how to play it on the ship a couple of months before my accident. We were talking about like working on that, getting that together. So hopefully that will come to pass, you know. And then there's, um, believe it or not, Bruno Mars is amazing. Like his musicianship, his vocals, and he's a great songwriter. I love his lyrics. I love the way he paints the pictures when he writes his songs. I love the way he paints. So definitely Bruno, if I could do something with him, that Yeah. <laughs> And um, I was going to ask you, like, the best band you've ever played with, but you can't say your own band. <laughs> uh, Prince was just it. I mean, the band was so tight. It was crazy. Tell and me, I, how did you meet Candy Dolfer? I met Candy on the Prince tour. She was playing saxophone for Prince, and we just started hanging out together. I just started stalking her, basically. And, and um, after Prince, after the tour... Basically, there was like a span of time in there, and he, he said that we were going to go out again, and he changed his mind middle of the road, so everybody was just at home, and I needed to keep working, so I just gave Candy a call, and she just asked him to come out, me and John Blackwell. 
And uh, we came out and did one month with her. And then she asked me to come back and I never left. Kind of made my, my place in Candy's world, I guess you could say. Yeah, and you've, you've produced yeah. stuff with her, you've produced albums with her, you've, you've sang together live on stage, you do a lot of the, uh, the, this, the jazz summer cruises. You guys work very well together and I'd, I'd love to see you performing back again. I know she's currently on tour at the moment, isn't she, around the Netherlands? Hopefully you'll be back on those tours very soon. I can't wait, working my way back. Let's talk about your music for the moment. Is there anything you're working at, on at the minute? I know you've got, uh, I've got five songs here that I want to speak to you about, um, but is there anything else you're working on at the moment, musically? Um, yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple of things that I'm working on. I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep that quiet a little. I had to get back into that mode because after the accident, my body strength was weak. My playing and everything was weak. And I really didn't even have a desire for the first year or so. I didn't have any desire whatsoever to even play. Tell me about the song um, that I recently heard on social media called I Know. What's that song about? I wanted to write a song about my son, but I also wanted to write a song about my mom. and. You know, I was looking at putting some songs on the record and I was like, well, I can't make two songs about two different people. I didn't want to write one song about mom and write one song about my son and have them both on the same record. But then I was just thinking like, no one has ever written a song about their son and their mother in the same song. So mm -hmm. I just started thinking in terms of that. And, you know, and then I started writing lyrics and and everything. Once I put the music together, I started coming up with lyrics and the lyrics that I wrote meant so much to me. It was hard to sing those lyrics for about a week. I couldn't just walk up to the mic and just sing those lyrics. I would always, I would always just break down in tears because it meant so much. But uh, I finally got it out and, you know, it was just a demo, but it meant a lot. She passed away in June. And the song just resonates so much about, I guess, how you feel about her and how special she is. And it's just an incredible song. So thanks for that. So the what's the inspiration behind the song Leela? That was an interesting song. Well, Leela, okay, I was on tour with Candy and we were in Paris. And before the show, like usually we do an autograph signing after the show. But at this show, they wanted us to do the signing before the show. So we did that. People were in line and everything. And this lady came up to the front and just told me, she said that, uh, that her sister, she said, my sister loves you and she would really like to take a picture with you. And, you know, is that possible? I said, yeah, where is she? And she says, I'll go get her. And then she came back with her sister. And I'm not exaggerating in the least, but have you ever had tunnel vision? This woman was walking towards me. All I could see was her. It was almost like the parting of the Red Sea. The crowd just moved out of the way when she walked down. It was like they were getting out of her way. And I came around the table and she gave me this big hug and this little kiss on my cheek. And, and she was like, I love you. I love your voice. I love you. And she was just so beautiful. She was like, by far, like one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. And I just was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. And we talked 
a little bit. And uh, after the show, I, I said, you know what? I don't know your name. And she says, oh, my name is Leela. And the exact moment she told me her name, this melody popped in my head with her name in it. And I was still on tour for about a month. I flew home after the tour, got in my apartment, dropped my bags, went right over to the studio and wrote the song in like 45 minutes. And then I wrote the lyrics in about an hour. So yeah, hour 45, I was done. That is inspiration for you and it's a fantastic song. Hey, beautiful. Hey, I just want you to know that um, I've never met anyone like you before. And, uh, you are the sweetest, most beautiful woman I've ever met. And uh, I wrote this for you. Listen. It's funny because my inspiration for that song came from Craftwork, uh, and uh, they had a song called Trans Europe Express. And for some reason, I just wanted to make a song called Shake and model it after Trans Europe Express. Yeah, it just turned into this dance tune and I love like, it. Yeah. Shake, I'll do whatever it takes. Just to see your sexy body just shake. So let me put this icing on your on your cake. Ooh, baby, just girl, I've been checking from across the room. Watching the way you make your body move. Northern Air. This other song, um, how would you describe this song in terms of the genre? It's called You Should Be With Me. You Should Be With Me is more of an R&B flavor. It's got like a little R&B thing to it. 
It's kind of laid back and cool, but uh, it's got a funky little bass line to it to, uh, you know, get people out on the dance floor. And I kind of wrote it with uh, this other lady in mind, just wanting to dance with her. Like the moment I saw her in my mind, I was like, oh, wow, yeah, she should be with me. Hello, ladies. Hey, um, I'm sorry, but I had to just come over here and tell your friend that she is so beautiful. Seriously. And see, I didn't want to come over here trying to get my Mac on and being all smooth. I just wanted to know if you would dance with me. Now that I have you here with me, I can truly say that you're my fantasy. Watching you move on the floor. You know you're exactly what I've been waiting for. I can see it in your eyes that you want me to get close to feel alone with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way you move those stars. I can tell when we make love. fantastic i love that so just before we go give me a couple of your influences that have influenced you over the years some of the songs that might be on your go-to ipod list the songs that really sparked my inspiration were were all funk that was my stuff george clinton bootsy the brides of funkenstein all of that stuff was like pivotal in my in my life. Then you have like Stevie Wonder, Superstition. I mean, you even have like, believe it or not, there was like the Eagles. Uh, they were just a bad band. I just love the guitars. So much out there to listen to, isn't it? You know, that's the beauty about music. You know, it, it just goes on forever. You have to, As long yeah. as you open your mind, open your ears and just be open to receiving this. Right precious thing that we have in life which is music and you're one of those amazing human beings that I love speaking to I think you are an incredible person you know the things that you've done you're an inspiration you know the, oh, everything you. you're going through at the moment that is um, a really tough time you know being in hospital you're speaking to me from rehabilitation at the moment and even that in itself to keep yourself motivated and to keep yourself going is tough We've had lots of conversations before about how how do you do that? And, you know, how do you do that? How do you keep going? What keeps your mind strong? Mainly just my, you know, my belief in God that this is going to pass. You know, I'm going to get past this and be able to get back out in a little bit of time. I got, you know, I have a lot of work to do. And I thought it was only going to take a year, but I needed to rest my body that first year and then I started working out the second year and then COVID hit and everything just shut down and all I wanted to do was stay away from everybody no one's allowed in my room and you know and with that locking myself in my room basically came depression and 
you know, all of that stuff. But I had to have that light and that light was God. And, you know, he kept me sane in a crazy world. That's just the way it's always been for me. So working towards my goals. And the thing is, too, is like my family has always been about the work. My mom raised me that way. Don't ever think that you can't do something. You know, don't ever put that in your mind that you can't do it. So I've always been about like getting it done. So this here is just another hurdle in my life. And I will jump this one too. You definitely will. And I love the fact that your mother kept you, you know, no matter what she's always said to you, you can do it. From a three-year-old saying, come on, baby, you can do this. This is amazing. Come and play your ukulele. And, and you know, you can yeah. do it. You can do it. You can do it. And there's a lot of young people who are budding musicians who unfortunately don't have that backing behind them. They're kind of left on their own and nobody's influencing them. Nobody's saying do this or Mm -hmm. they don't have that self-belief. Do you think you kind of need to have that no matter what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks. Is it just about what you think or does it help to have parents there saying you can do it? But without, they could say that till they go blue in the face. But if you don't have that self-belief, nobody can make you do it. No one. It it has to be in you. It's important to have inspiration. It's really important to just have that inspiration or to be able to find inspiration in something so that you can inspire yourself. It's extremely important to have if you're going to do anything in life. I mean, Olympic gold medalists, they don't just wake up one day and just say, I'm going to be a swimmer or I'm going to run track. Mm -hmm. Something inspired them to do it something triggered it. And to keep that inspiration is, you know, that's work. It's hard sometimes because, you know, things get you down and you have to really work at what you're doing, you know, and you have to love it. So you just mentioned before about just keeping yourself going and motivated. And it's difficult to see people in the hospital during COVID. So you kind of cut off from, from everybody and falling into depression. Anybody would. Who kept in touch with you? I have a few people, me and my son, of course, my my best friend in the whole world. Mm-hmm. His name is Charles Moore. And every single day he called me and he would just call me and just say, yeah, man, I just wanted to call you, tell you I love you, man. You know, ask you how you're doing. And we would just talk, you know, about anything. But he did that every day. I just talked to him about an hour before you call. And that's that's just what we do. Yeah. If he can't call, he'll text me, say, I'll call you later on tonight. He's there every day without fail. Him and my friend Hilda, uh, she's from Belgium, um, but she lives here in Minnesota. She lives like 10 minutes away from me where I'm at. But yeah, she's incredible also. It's been a blessing to have yeah, it's great to hear because I know that, you know, it's good. Everyone does their bit and tries to keep in touch as much as they can. But there's nothing like having someone whilst you're, you know, in a position where, you know, you're not feeling great. You want to get yourself back to good health and just what one text or that one phone call or one letter yeah. or one Skype call yeah. make all the difference to somebody. Thank you so much for being on the show. I could talk to you all night. When are we well, going to be able to find your music? when it's out where are you going to be positioning it is it on soundcloud is it on um i'm pretty much going to put it out on all the platforms that kind of thing so and i'll have it on my website 
www.chadshoward.com. I have it on there. So I'm going to make sure that it's easy to find because the last record, the EP that I did, I didn't do that one the way that I should have. So I definitely learned from my mistakes. And anybody that's out there listening, you could still pick that record up. You just have to Google Chance Howard EP or go to iTunes and type in Chance slash Leela and it would pop up. Then you can find the, find the EP that way. Chance Howard, thank yeah. you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you, baby. Thank you.